Can't hang her on 2SER 107.3 FM and happy Mardi Gras. We'd Woo! like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Urination, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. The Coat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your guest host, Peter Holden. I'm filling in for the amazing Fee Lamb. And this week, I'm joined by... Hello, I am Coach Kiwi coming to you from Wurundjeri land of the Eastern Kulin Nation. Hello everyone, Tracy Kick here coming to you from Darul country. And I think we're minus an Emma tonight. Indeed, I wonder why. Well, perhaps in this week's show, in our Round 9 podcast for AFLW Season 6, we are talking about who won the uh, unofficially named Phillips Kick Cup. We also look at breaking barriers... We'll also talk about slow starts and Mardi Gras. But first, let's jump into breaking barriers. Coach Kiwi, Tracy Kick, the Melbourne Demons have done it. The first barrier we talk about being broken, they've passed the 100-point mark the first time in AFLW history. Yeah, now look, I'm sure they're going to want to be celebrating a lot about that game. And let's face it, they played some out-and-out clean football and some of that potentially is due to finally playing in a, on a piece of grass that has a wind barrier from all sides of the field. Because we all know Melbourne play at Casey Fields, which is absolutely windy. If they're not there, they're probably at Vic Park, which has a end-to-end wind. Trevor Barker Oval, wind. Everywhere has wind, right? But I think what Melbourne Demons did was they showed everybody that this is how you can play football when we aren't forced to play with a lighter football against nature's worst. Um, having said that, Frio were, I'm pretty sure, without 10 of their players. So a big chunk due to COVID, a few with um, injuries, and even right up to hours before the game, they called one young player who lived three hours away who's played nine hours games of Aussie rules in her lifetime they called her in to um put on the Frio jumper and have a go and in fairness to her she 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 gave it a great crack so um probably not the Frio team that anyone would have tipped and may not have been happy with the Frio team that lined up after they tipped them but um I think it just showed that Frio's depth is probably not too strong but I think any team that loses 10 players is going to be pretty hard to have a lot of depth after that and um, credit to Melbourne. They were just phenomenal. They were just clean, clean football. And um, I I was kind of hoping for Daisy to get seven or more. Just, you know, let's just continually break more records. Um, but I think Taylor now is out on her own top of the goal scoring list. And she broke the current, what was the current record for uh, most goals in a game, in a season for AFLW. So Tracy Kick for, for Taylor Harris, um, she's now averaging two goals a game, uh, most of anybody in the league. Uh, she is sitting at 18 goals. Um, you, you want to talk about that as well, that the rejuvenation of Taylor Harris. Absolutely. And just we've talked about this before, I'm sure, but the difference that you can see in players when they get into a club culture where it works for them, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's not about the whole club culture, but obviously the environment, that Taylor's in is really working for her. And um, it's just great to see her um, kicking goals and, um, you know, working with the naysayers, you know, putting them back to back in their 
back in their box, so to speak. Um, so it'll be exciting to see what she can do. Yes, I'm the naysayer and I'm just trying to find this comfy little space in the box that I can claim back into. <laughs> um, but, but you talk about club culture and, and that also brings up another uh, uh, barrier that we've broken. That is the 50-game barrier in the AFLW. Uh, players staying loyal to their side at the Brisbane Lions and the Adelaide Crows. Absolutely. So Emily Bates and Ali Anderson, uh, two players I've been watching for a long time, obviously, um, clocked up their 50th. And of course, Ebony Marinoff and um, good on them. They've stayed fit and healthy and managed to to play through uh, every game in the A4W. Um, so amazing. And, you know, on the back of the season, Bates has had, uh, it'll be interesting what sort of contender she'll be for uh, the best and fairest, I think. To Coach Kiwi, you've watched these footballers, Bates versus uh, Marinoff in particular. Who is the best 50-gamer between those two? Even though probably Ellie Anderson's shouting in the background, how about me? Oh, now that's a tough one. You'd probably have to um, go through a, a few different categories and see who ended up with the most ticks because um, I all think they actually contribute in different ways. And um, and I know you were comparing Emily Bates and Ebony Marinoff, but I'd probably stick Ellie Anderson above that. I just think she's just got a little bit more versatility, a little bit more speed around the middle. Um, and you can flicker at either end. I kind of, I kind of really like the way Ellie Anderson plays. Um, but you know, that's not saying I don't love Batesy and Marinoff. You know, they're they're absolute characters of the game, especially Ebony Marinoff. I think we've actually, it's kind of like um, Home and Away when we watched um, who was it, the one that grew up in the show. Um, Oh, yeah, I haven't watched it, but I know who you mean. Um, Kate Ritchie. Yeah, but her character, yes. So when Kate yeah. Ritchie grew up, it feels like we've kind of watched Ebony Marinoff grow up Home and Wales style. Like she was this absolute youngster when she got drafted and, you know, full of larrikinism when she when they won that first premiership and all the stuff she did around the cup and um, and around, I guess, idolising Erin Phillips and stuff. And over the years, she seems to have just grown and just become such a, a solid leader um, at that club and she's still pretty young you know so um, I feel like we've watched her grow up a little bit Kate Ritchie style but um, yeah all three of them just absolute hats off and hats off to being able to keep their bodies in good condition to come back and not miss any games that's that's something really incredible at this level as well especially being in and under and you know in, in pretty much every game you know they're real contested ball winners um, so yeah, fantastic achievement, and um, it's a shame there's only been 50 games in the last six seasons, but uh, that's uh, another story. I'm Katie Loins, and you're listening to The Code Hanger. So, Tracy, your, your chance now to call it like it is. Slow starts with some sides, one particularly with three letters. Yeah, look, it struck me today. <laughs> three letters. Oh, yeah, okay. It struck me today. That, um, that there are a bunch of teams, and I think this has been something we've seen over the season, but I think it was just really apparent this weekend. And I think the the one studying three letters might be GWS, um, but is that the only one studying with three letters? You're testing me, Peter. Um, but um, the Richmond GWS game, Richmond shot out to a 4-2-26 lead to, to Donuts in the first quarter. Um, and I thought, oh, God, this is going to be a whitewash. Um, and, um, you yeah, know, to their credit, using the only weapon, really, that they have, Cora Staunton, 
They came back after she kicked three goals. No, but I mean, you've got to give a shout out to Biso, had 31 touches in that game. She was monumental. It's great to have her back. Uh, Bet Privatelli was back with a vengeance after sitting out for two rounds. But yeah, this slow start, um, I observed it. Do, do we want to talk Giants or do we want to talk about the other slow starts? Should we stay on the Giants for a while? Oh, I'd, I'd say we don't discriminate. Every side that's got a slow start deserves a kick in the pants. Okay, well, I'll give them a kick in the pants. So uh, we just talked about Adelaide and Collingwood, Adelaide 2416, Collingwood Donuts at quarter time, the Bulldogs 3220, Eagles Donuts at quarter time, even the Saints um, game. Um, and uh, I haven't got the score there, but I know that that, that uh, with Geelong kicking nine points. Uh, but And Carlton, we got out today on 3-1-19 against the Gold Coast with Donuts. So, yeah, just those slow starts are costing you teams that seem to be able to find the competitiveness at some point in the game. But if they start slowly, not many teams are coming over the top of teams who've got out to those early first quarter leads. And Coach Kiwi, it goes back to even games such as, as we saw a few weeks ago, I mean, Melbourne was lucky to, to, to be able to steal that one against um, the Lions. Otherwise, uh, they would have position swapped on the ladder. And, and the Bulldogs would have actually been even on points with Collingwood had they not had their slow start against the Gold Coast Suns. And in fact, if the Gold Coast Suns had held on in that game, they would have been eighth. But slow starts, killing teams. And you, you've got to wonder with some teams, where could they really be on the ladder? Oh, absolutely. And Giants, I think Giants for the rest of that game dominated. So um, I think they kicked something like six goals to two for the last three quarters. Uh, so it was just that first, you know, five that they let in, beat them. And they would have, you know, potentially next week had another win, could have been in contention for the top six, you know. Um, but they're, they're, it's their efficiency inside 50 – Giants are kicking 25% in that first quarter against Richmond, who were at 67. Anything, you know, that low 20, in the 20s is just – it's just you've got to shake your head and go, what on earth has gone wrong? And um, and it's not that they've got bad players in there, and it's not that they've got a bad midfielder. At that point in the game, they still had Elise Parker. So Exactly. Yeah, they lost, they lost Elise Parker, but it, it didn't really – I mean – like being without Britt Benici today. I mean, you, we often see teams still being able to really draw on their team strength when they lose, you know, one of their key players. But can I say, just back to tackles again in forward 50, the Tigers, 16 tackles in forward 50 versus the Giants. So that's another stat that's just really impacting, you know, if we can, if you can keep the ball inside forward 50 and, and get a score, it just makes such a difference. But, yeah, I mean, the Tigers, I thought, were just going to run all on top of them. But to their credit, the Giants the Giants came back and showed a bit of something. And then West Coast, I think that is now eight games they've been scoreless in their first quarter. So, you know, <laughs> they've got to their coaching panel, everything over there, they've got to start to look at what are they doing pre-game or, you know, what is their system and their structure on the field that they just can't penetrate and get a goal or even a point on the board in that first quarter. But given the strength of WA football, surely the Eagles should be stronger. Yes. Yeah, exactly. 
there's, you know, they're, WA and Victoria are the two powerhouses, aren't they, really? Well, heading, not he, right. well heading into um, uh, what I call the pre-AFLW years, obviously Victoria was out in front. WA was just coming up, and uh, which obviously they beat Victoria in that game at Subiaco in 2015. Uh, but as we know, some of the top WA players were spread out amongst the other states. Um, but Queensland was the third team. And, and, and let's talk about one of those teams from Queensland, and that's the Brisbane Lions. And uh, the week that they've gone through, some of the players, including Emily Bates and Emma Zilks, which is, of course, Emma's now the uh, assistant coach there um, at the Lions, got flooded out during the week, and including the Lions players went round to their house and helped cleaned up afterwards. And after being flooded out, Maroochydore Oval, which was underwater last week, seemed to be fine. And then the AFL got nervous and went, oh, we're not worried the weather, we don't know. And the game got moved. So as the Lions say, anytime, anywhere, they had to come down and play at Footscray Witten Oval, a kind of neutral venue, if you want to call it that. North Melbourne travelled <laughs> five minutes down the road. But in the end... Coach Tracy Kick, adversity seems to tie the Lions together and uh, they, they took care of business. Absolutely. And uh, if you recall my chat with Phoebe Monaghan, she quoted that they play anywhere, any day, anyhow. <laughs> Don't worry about that. So they're obviously, you know, it doesn't phase them. They're prepared to go and do whatever they need to do. Um, you know, again, just just dominance around the ground, the pressure that the Lions have, the pace in their forward as they bring the ball forward uh, between the Sparks and and, uh, Ali Anderson and co. Just, um, you know, it's great to watch. Um, Probably could have kicked a few more, I think, a little bit inaccurate at times. But, um, yeah, sorry, Emma Phillips, but uh, North North were just (laughs) outdone, weren't they? I mean, it really kind of showed to me the... The, the top teams, you know, Frio, Melbourne and, and the Lions, um, you know, really, really seem to be just a, a, a touch, well, Frio not so much now. So, I mean, Crows, Melbourne and the Lions um, and Frio seem to be losing momentum and I think they're even at risk of sliding out of the, out of the top six if, if some things happen, no? Uh, the team at risk is Collingwood. Um, Collingwood, yes. Yes, yes where they, they have to beat Richmond. Um, if they lose to Richmond, then the Bulldogs, if they beat the Lions in Ballarat, can jump and steal their spot. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I just uh, I feel feel like yeah, those, the top couple of teams are really starting to show a fair bit of dominance. It's going to be an enthralling uh, final series, I think, when we get there. But, yeah, sorry, Emma Phillips, who couldn't make it because she's very sad after the Lions um, beat North Melbourne today. Um, Is she hiding? Yeah, yeah, she's gone into hiding. (laughs) She's being Um, true North Melbourne, a marshmallow, being a bit soft. (laughs) She was here the week they beat uh, Magpies when Nat wasn't on, but she's hiding this week. (laughs) It's it's a strategy, Kiwi. It's a strategy. But um, no, it was a. You're on it, to you, it was, a, it was a display of dominance, and you know, um, you know, the midfield worked hard, and Emma Carney worked hard off the back line to try to get some momentum. But the Lions' pressure, phenomenal. So, um, congratulations as I hand over the uh, virtual trophy to Tracy Kick, winner of the Phillips Kick Cup between. Uh, 
Tracy and Emma for the Brisbane Lions knocking off the uh, Kangaroos. And that means also the Lions are one game above the Kangaroos on the ladder as well, just to put a little bit of salt into that wound. Mardi Gras happened on Saturday <laughs> night. Um, I know both of you watched intently. Um, what did you like about this year's Mardi Gras? I like that I was sitting on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) And And Um, I like that it didn't rain on the parade. (laughs) I know. Fred Nile didn't get his prayers answered again, so that's good, although it was raining here, so it just stayed away in Sydney. I actually looked at the radar and it was going around, so... You know, the forces of the, the rainbow team uh, kept that at bay. But um, what did I like? Uh, I I enjoyed the parade. I thought it was a bit of fun. Um, it, it had I enjoyed it being back on the ABC and um, some cool commentary and commentators. Uh, great to see people out having a good time. And to see the SCG, I think, had a lot more. I don't know what sort of numbers they had in there, but, of course, last year they were under COVID restrictions and so they didn't have the same sort of restrictions. So a good crowd. I think our fee was there. Correct, Kiwi? Our fee was indeed. So um, shout out to our really good mates, Amanda and Aria. They, Sophie is not able to ride a bike this year. She just doesn't quite have the upper body strength to um, to ride a bike. So one of them let her go, um, what we call bitch, is uh, when you ride pillion on the back of the bike. And, um, and another dear friend of mine who is a mum of a junior giant that I coached many years ago was in the crowd and actually filmed her going past. And she was absolutely enjoying herself and – um, and that's, you know, her last hurrah, she actually starts her chemo this week. So she knew she was going out for a big weekend and, um, and it was just good to see good, you know, having good mates that could take her out and be part of that. And for the bikes to ride around, it's a little bit different cause you're not riding on the, on the asphalt. So, um, there is a bit of slip as you get into the stadium. One of our mates dropped her bike last year. Um, so it has those little hazards. Um, it was good to see the Sydney Swans float in there and, um, I just I looked hard and I could not see any Sydney Swans current players, so I am expecting by Callum Sinclair was there. Callum Sinclair was. Oh, okay. I thought I saw one. I wasn't totally sure. I'm expecting next year, Sydney Swans, that you release your AFLW players to go on their own float. But not only that, I have pitched to a Meta Carton board member today and her partner, and I pitched to her and this guy I met who's part of Carton Pride. That they take it to the AFLW, Nick Livingston, I hope you're listening, anyone else, when we talk about fixtures for next year, let's play Pride Round the weekend of Mardi Gras because it's a huge, massive international anniversary for the Mardi Gras Parade next World Pride in 2023. Let's have Carlton playing the Giants at Giants Stadium one o'clock in the afternoon so all the fans, all the players can then go wash, put glitter on, get down to the SCG or hopefully it's back on Oxford Street, but put the Carlton and the Giants and the Swans players on a float and celebrate the diversity and all the people that we've got in our league because – they are people. They are pride. And I just feel that sometimes pride is underdone. We do rainbow jumpers, but we don't do a whole lot in the community. So let's get them out there. Let's get them in front of everyone as they go either up Oxford Street and wave to all the little future AFLW players that will be amongst the crowd um, and supporters, mem- you know, members that could come along and, and join the clubs. But um, so 
that was the seed I planted and, you know, there's enough rain going on. Let's hope that grows. And by next year, we, we're celebrating World Pride with um, an AFW float. Here, here, Coach Kiwi. Here, here. <laughs> and I did mention that one footy team uh, taking part in Mardi Gras, oh, and I saw a few photos, is the Newtown Breakaways. They had their Pride jerseys on as they went through. And that leaves a perfect segue into what's happening next Sunday. The party continues for Newtown because they're hosting, Coach Kiwi, the Women's AFL-X Challenge. Look, they are. Newtown Breakaways have um, absolutely led the charge for um, diversity and inclusion at their club in Sydney. Um, And so, yes, they're having their um, AFL-X Carnival next week and they've um, got the fixtures out and we will post it up on our Facebook page. But there's, you know, teams from Bathurst playing. There's a couple of breakaways, Pennant Hills involved, uh, Western Magic who wear absolutely adorable colours. I love their colours. UTS are involved. Randwick City Saints who um, the older ones are. Uh, their masters are called the Sinners. Um, you got to love that. But, uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of teams involved and um, it does kick off um, 9.30 a.m. is the first game. So get out of bed, get warmed up. Um, the, the teams have to arrive at 8 a.m. But um, it's just, you know, it's just a fun day out. It's down at Henson Park. So you can take an esky, you can sit down there on the hill, um, Saturday, uh, Sunday the 13th of March. Get along and support them. You can also take your dogs because it's not the AFLW, but don't take your dogs <laughs> to Henson Park when you're going to the AFLW. <laughs> Good tip. Because we know the dogs don't do well there, a la versus the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> Oofshka. We need to spare a thought for some of the weaker teams down the uh, bottom end of the ladder who could all be on the end of a hiding this weekend because percentage actually matters in the top six. And let me explain. Uh, the Adelaide Crows, we said, are playing St Kilda and Melbourne is playing Carlton. Both of them, Adelaide and Melbourne, are locked on 32 points each. Only 4.4% now separates them. And remember, even though both of these sides are, are pretty much on track should they win to host um, the finals in the second week, the top team has the right to host the grand final. So that is a big carrot this weekend for both Adelaide and Melbourne. And then there's a bit of play going on in fourth and fifth spot. Uh, the Kangaroos playing the Eagles and Fremantle playing the Suns. Both the Kangaroos and Fremantle are locked on uh, 24 points each with uh, under three percentage points separating them. The side that finishes fourth will get a home final. The side that finishes fifth will have to travel interstate. And if, if the, the results go as, as they do... Essentially, the Kangaroos and Fremantle will host each other. It's just who's going to have hosting rights. Mm, the plot thickens. Hey, um, just talking about big scores, the current stats of the teams that have lost by 40-plus points are West Coast by seven. Seven times they've lost by 40-plus. Gold Coast have done it six times. St Kilda five times. And Geelong four times. Do you know what they've all, all got in common? They're our last four teams that joined AFRW, right? 
So is there an imbalance in the players or the way that they've made their list compared to the ones that came in first? And is that something for the next four teams coming in to be very wise about so that they become competitive rather than, um, what are we down, three years now, four years, four years with them in, that they're still down, um, down the bottom and getting some floggings? Well, I mean, I think the, that the interesting thing is that not all the expansion teams, nearly all the expansion teams are in the bottom. Well, they're all in the bottom half of the ladder, but um, not all the expansion teams are on, uh, they're not the last four teams, although they're almost the last four teams. So, <laughs> in the last uh, five I think teams. we could talk a lot about expansion, um, Kiwi, but uh, that's an interesting stat. And, you know, is it is it about... You know, do they get enough support to get their lists going, I guess? We've talked about that in another pod. Because mm, we don't know the next lot of rules around how many you can take from other teams and, and stuff to build your list quite yet. Plus there's some little dirty rumours circulating around the world that um, perhaps the next season may be just a few months down the road. So the list builds need to be uh, rather quick and rather swift. And, um, yeah, I think, I think, what are we up to? Round 10, three weeks of finals, four weeks' time. Watch your social media play, pages. I reckon there's going to be a heap of announcements coming out, including coaches. Without a doubt, Port – and Essendon have got to know who their coaches are already and already pre-talking to players that must be involved in AFLW because nothing's been announced from those teams, right? So they must be waiting till the end of AFLW season, then boom, they're going to hit everybody with, we've got this, we've got this coach, this player, blah, 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 blah. So then is that Erin Phillips going across the port? Are they keeping their lips sealed so she can play with Crows, not upset, anything going on there, win another premiership and then go to Adelaide? I reckon there'll be a few bit of movement and I reckon that that won't be the only, you know, high-profile move. So I think it'll be, uh, it'll be entertaining. Mm, it's going to be a few. It's going to be an interesting – that week, I reckon the first week's going to be rather interesting. On that note, it is time to wrap things up. Coach Kiwi and Tracy Kick. Thank you both for your attendance uh, this week. And once again, congratulations, uh, Tracy Kick, on winning the winning the Phillips Kick Cup. Thank you so much, Peter, for the encouragement. <laughs> this has been round nine of the Cone Hangar for AFLW Season 6. We'll be coming to you every week on 2SER 107.3 FM. Be sure to catch us on socials. We are at... Code Hanger Footy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Don't forget to catch the full version of this show in our podcast with extra content in the fifth quarter, wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, for the best harbour views in women's footy, tune into the Code Hanger.